Pastor Kelly has had us in a series over the last uh, five weeks called You Asked For It. So I told the first, the first service, I said, remember, you asked for it. And this is all about questions uh, that you had the opportunity to ask uh, about the Bible, about life, about things that I don't even know existed, to be honest with you. And, uh, but Pastor Kelly has done an amazing job not sharing his opinions with you, but looking to the Bible, looking to God's Word, looking to truth, and answering these questions. Some of these questions, they have been very difficult. They have been controversial. They've been political. And yet time and time again, week, and week, week in and week out, he's gone to God's Word to point to the truth. And if you've missed any of those over the last five weeks, I would encourage you to go onto our website, albanync.org, and you can listen to those messages. There's notes available to you, and it is a great resource in dealing with some very hot topics, very difficult topics of the day. But just like the first service, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Pastor Kelly's been answering like four or five questions a week, and I looked at the list and I said, God, that is not possible for me. So we're going to look at one today, and uh, maybe next week he'll get into a few more questions. He's just, he's just a little bit more on top of things than I am. But we're going to focus on one specific question today, and that question really deals with forgiveness, with forgiveness. And the specific question that we received, and it's going to pop up on the screen here in just a moment, it says, will he forgive me for, for an abortion? Will he forgive me for and abortion. Now, last week, Pastor Kelly talked about abortion, and he talked about a biblical perspective that, that God views life beginning at conception, that God values the life of, of an unborn child in the womb, okay? Now, I know that this is a, this is a sensitive question, and, on, on, and a simple answer for you today is yes. Will God forgive you for an abortion? Yes. But let me expand that question a little bit this morning because I think there are a lot of us, because we, we saw it in the first service, there's a lot of us who are struggling with decisions that we have made in life, maybe in marriage or in family or in career or in relationships in life. And we're struggling, we're dealing with the shame and the condemnation of those decisions. And so I think we could also ask the same question. We could say, will God forgive me for being a liar? Will God forgive me for being a cheat? Will God forgive me for being a drug addict or an alcoholic? Will, will God forgive me for being unfaithful? Will God forgive me? I mean, you could just go on and on and on. And yes, the simple answer is yes this morning. And so we can all close our Bibles and go home, right? But if the yes was sufficient, we wouldn't be asking the question. So today, for a few moments, what we're going to do is we're going to take a step back. And we're going to look at the human condition so that we can better understand God's response to the human condition, so that we can only ultimately understand our response to God's response for our lives. So if you got your Bibles this morning or smart devices, go ahead and open them to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're, gonna just, we're just going to dissect Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to look at some very specific things. And for a while here, you might be thinking, I, I thought we were talking about forgiveness. But what I want you to see is I want you to see how all of us came from the same place. We all started in the same place, a life of sin, a life uh, marked by disobedience and shame and regret and condemnation. We've all come from the same boat, okay? So I want us to see that this morning. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 
And let's start reading right here in verse 1. And it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So for starters, let's talk for a moment about the human condition. I don't know where you're at in all this. Only God knows your heart, your life, your faith commitment to him. But understand this, apart from a relationship with God, all of us have the same human condition. And the first thing that I see right here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, is that we're walking dead. Does anybody watch that on Netflix? That's a terrible show. You know, I hope you don't watch that show. I hope you don't. You know, years ago, uh, my wife and I were staying over in Black Butte, and we had rented a house with some friends to get away for some rest. And, and while we were over there, we were convinced to go to the movies. And uh, you got to be careful what you watch in the movie theater, by the way. And we went to the Sisters Movie House, and at that time, this was going to date us a little bit, but at that time, the movie I Am Legend, does that ring a bell to anybody, was in the movie theaters with Will Smith, and we just knew that it had Will Smith. We didn't know that it was like a, like a zombie apocalypse kind of movie, and I'll never forget because I, I've never been so terrified in a film before. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I, my skin was crawling. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have spirit bumps. I, had, I was freaked out bumps. You know what I'm saying? And um, we left that movie theater and like every little shadow was uncomfortable and we got back to the house and I'm pretty sure we both didn't hardly sleep a wink the entire night because we were very concerned about The Walking Dead. But you need to understand something. That's the condition of, of our lives when we're separated from God. The Bible says that we are dead in our sin, eternally separated from God. And this takes us all the way back to the very beginning. We're not going to go there, so just hear me out for a moment. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you read about Adam and Eve, okay, Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were instructed very specifically about what they were to do with their lives. God gave them clear direction and instruction, and he told them to not to eat the fruit from the tree in the center of the garden. Long story short, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, the human condition changed. Sin entered into the world, into our very DNA. In fact, if you're sitting here this morning and you have children or grandchildren or you know kids, especially for those of you at Royal Family Kids Camp, you understand this, uh, kids have a sin nature. It's not always ingrained in them from their parents or their culture. It's in their very DNA from the moment they were born. And so we're walking dead. And the Bible says in Romans, it says, and this is a familiar verse that probably most of us know, but it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, now maybe you've heard that verse before. I would encourage you to, to underline it. I would encourage you to highlight it because what it says is that our disobedience, the way that we lived life, it earned us death. It earned us separation from God. But, you got to love buts in the Bible. But, <laughs> but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the, so the first human condition that we see when we're, we're separated and unforgiven apart from God is that we're dead. We're walking dead. And the second, the second thing that we see in our text here this morning of the human condition 
is that we are following Satan's lead for our lives. Now, some of you are like, whoa, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's crazy. But think back to Ephesians 2 for a moment. It said we were living under the influence of the prince of the power of the air. It was influencing culture. And you and I we used to be a part of that culture. Apart from a relationship with Christ, we're a part of that culture under the influence of the, of the prince, which is referring to Satan, okay? So our lives, apart from God, are under his influence. You wonder why bad things happen in the world? You wonder why you did bad things in, in your life? But when you're apart from God, you're under that kind of influence. I shared a kind of a sad story this, uh, in an earlier service, and I'll share it with you. But when I was in the eighth grade, do you guys remember eighth grade? You kind of want to forget it, right? I mean, I do. Eighth grade's a weird time, right? Your, your voice is changing, hair starts growing, that's weird, right? Uh, hormones, all that weird stuff's happening. Well, I started a school for the first time in middle school, eighth grade year, I was the new student. And I, that was a really difficult time. I started about the same time as another new student, and we were both there together. And I quickly realized that it was going to be him or it was going to be me. Because the culture of that school was not very accepting of newcomers. And so what I realized is I had to make myself known in order to, be, to fit in with the culture. And so I started doing something that I definitely regret. But I realized partly because I was under different influences. I was living my life in a different way. And so that kid, and I wish I could remember his name, but I remember I'd walk behind him in the, in the hallway and I'd clip his heel and make his other foot go behind his other foot, you know, and he'd fall down and everybody would laugh. And it was a horrible, rotten thing to do. But you have to understand the human condition apart from God is broken. It's fallen. It's under, it's under influence, demonic influence. Let's look at another thing that, that of the human condition. We're driven by our own sinful passions and desires. We're driven by our own sinful passions and desires. You see, so we can't give the devil all the credit here. We have to understand something. Because of that sin nature inside of us, we are driven we're driven to sin. Sometimes we don't understand why, why do people keep going back to that lifestyle? Why do they keep going back there? It's because they're driven by an inward passion, apart from forgiveness, apart from restoration, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are driven by our own sinful passions and desires, and we need the work of God to cleanse our hearts and our minds. So I want you to see this morning, all of us at one point in time can relate to the human condition. You know, stop glaring at your coworkers. Stop glaring at your neighbor or your family members who don't know Jesus. You know why? Because they are a part of the human condition. And we need to understand something. Apart from God, they don't know any better. But we do, right? We do. So now that we can understand the human condition, we understand that all of us we're dead, that all of us were under a, a negative influence, that all of us were driven by our own sinful desires and passions. Let's get to something good this morning. Is that okay with you? Because so far, this is kind of messy, right? This isn't very good. We're getting into the really deep, dark, ugly stuff, but it's the reality of humanity. But if you can understand the human condition, you begin to really love and appreciate God's response to the human condition. You begin to see that what the work that he accomplished on the cross, his desire to restore humanity is, is nothing but miraculous because of the human condition. So let's go to the second part here. God's response to the human condition. Let's go back to our text for a moment. Ephesians 2, let's start reading in verse 4. It says, but because, 
See, I told you buts were good in the Bible. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved, and it's through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Man, that is, I mean, doesn't that get exciting? I mean, we just read about the human condition, but then you begin to look a little bit further and you start seeing as the Apostle Paul, as he's writing the letter of the Ephesians, and he starts to spell out God's response to the human condition. Going back to Genesis chapter 3, in that very chapter, you can read about God prophesying and foretelling his plan to send Jesus to be the Savior of the world, to rescue humanity from the human condition. And right here, we start to see him spell out some amazing things. And the first thing I want you to see this morning is that we serve a rich God, rich in mercy. And you might be thinking like mercy, like that game that I used to play when I was a kid. No, mercy is God withholding, God withholding the punishment that we deserve. You see, the Bible says that the wages, right? The wages of sin is death. The earnings of sin is death. In other words, we deserve death. We deserve to be separated eternally from God. But praise be to God, because he's rich in his mercy, see, he looked down at you in your human condition, and he's so rich in his mercy that he says, you know what? I could wipe you off the face of the earth, but instead, because of my great mercy, I'm going to withhold what you deserve so that you stand a chance. Isn't that good news this morning? You see, I get so excited thinking about God's response to the human condition because it gives all of us hope. You see, hope for us here today and hope for all of us out there for tomorrow. We need to realize that God is rich and he's rich in mercy. Listen to Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we have done. Did you catch that this morning? You see, we haven't deserved it. We have not earned it. He's simply saying that he has extended his mercy, okay? So not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy, he has saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Can I just say to you, if you've been struggling with shame and regret, dealing with the, th the things that you've done in your life, please hear this first response of God. He has got mercy for you. And he is rich in it. He's not lacking. And he wants to extend that to you today. You know why? Because he wants you, just like we sang about freedom, he wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to be restored and healed and renewed and the second thing I see here is not only is he rich in mercy, but he talks about his great love. You know what's so awesome about the way he talks about God's love in this moment is, have you ever, you know, you've heard the word or heard it said that, that, that talk is cheap, right? But see, in this moment, we, we can see that God didn't just say he loved us. God proved his love the moment he nailed his own son to a tree. 
And he did it for you and he did it for me because he wants to forgive you and heal you and cleanse you. You see, his great love, as we read about it right here in Ephesians chapter 2, is really spelling out for us that God is a God who is willing to act, to take action against the human condition in order that we could be rescued and saved from the sin that we were living in. Isn't that amazing this morning? God's great love for you and his great love for me. Romans 5.8 it's not on the screen, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all our sins. Let me read that again. He forgave us of all our sins. Did you hear that this morning, church? He forgave you of all your sins. You see, you don't need to carry around that shame and that regret any longer. You know why? Because he forgave you of all of your sins. That is good news today. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, God's response to the human condition is his, is his, he's rich in mercy, it's his great love, but it's also his grace. Now, what's grace? My grandmother's name was Grace. But see, grace is God giving you and I what we don't deserve. You see, I don't know about you, but when you think back to those things that, you know, still kind of bring you to tears when you realize the things that you've done wrong, and yet you start to realize and comprehend that God extended his hand of grace. And, and get this, see, he didn't just give you his grace when you were righteous. No, he, he gave you his grace at your lowest point in your life. When you were the deepest in sin that you thought you could ever be in, so broken and lost, God looked down on you with love, with mercy, and with his grace, and he extended out to you, and he said, child, come to me. Come to me. I will offer you forgiveness. Come to me. I will cleanse. Come to me. I will heal, and I will restore you from the inside out. I have a plan for your life. I mean, he extended his grace, and it is a gift. We can't understand it. You know, sometimes parents put things under the Christmas tree, and we don't understand why. It's so exuberant, it's so big. But see, this is so much better, it's so much bigger because it's God's grace. We cannot earn it. You can't go out there and spend your entire life doing good works thinking that you could earn this grace. You know why? Because God gave it for free. And he's still giving it today. His grace. So God's response to the human condition is he is rich in mercy. He has great love for you and for me, and he has acted upon our condition, and he has given us a gift, and it is called grace. And it is in that grace that we find forgiveness. Now hear me on this. You see, grace isn't just about saving grace because that's the initial grace that is given to you and to me so that we can be in a right, right relationship with God. But God has also given us his grace 
so that we can live a life for him today. God has also given us his grace so that we can live a life for him tomorrow. God has extended that grace. You know why? Because he knows that you and I are prone to weakness. He knows that we're going to stumble and fall from time to time. But praise be to his name. He extends that grace. And that grace is there for you and for me if we'll receive it by faith. And receiving it by faith is simply believing God at his word and accepting it for what he has said. That's what that's all about. And finally this morning, we've talked about the human condition. We've talked about God's response to the human condition. But why don't we bring things to a close as as we talked about our response to God's grace and forgiveness. God's grace and forgiveness. If I offered you a gift today, what would you have to do? What was that? You have to receive it, don't you? I can tell you all day long, I got this brand new car in the parking lot. Keys are dangling in my hand. It's yours if you want it. You see, the enemy's been lying to you. He's been telling you that there isn't enough grace. He's been telling you that there isn't forgiveness for what you have done. But see, he's a liar. He's a manipulator. And the reality is this morning is God is still extending his grace, his hand of love and mercy for you. And all you have to do is reach out and ask for it. All you have to do is reach out and begin to receive the grace that he has extended for you today to cleanse you of your sin. And I'm thankful that the Apostle Paul gives us a little bit of deeper understanding with this, asking for forgiveness, because he says in 1 John 1, 9, he says, if, notice he says if right there, if, because why? Because you have to ask for it. How many of you have ever struggled admitting you were wrong? Anybody? Come on, there's one honest person in the room. Any, any other honest people today? Come on. Why do, we, why do we struggle to admit when we're wrong? Because of our pride? Because that we know that the moment that we admit what we've done wrong and we're exposing who we really are, that we're broken and that we're flawed, Come on, that's real, right? We, we understand that. that why, else would, why wouldn't it be easy to just admit when we were wrong? We were, we were touring a house yesterday, and we had this debate about this, this room in the house and what it was designed for, and I was being pretty strong with my opinion. I'm kind of an opinionated person. And uh, my wife finally admitted. She's like, you're right. And I said, let's put a mark on the wall, babe. That's what my grandfather used to say all the time. Anytime he was right, put a mark on the wall. But we have to ask for forgiveness. We have to humble ourselves. You see, 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, what this looks like is, you see, we start to understand something that we've been going the wrong direction. We've been pursuing our own sinful desires and passions. Okay? We've been under the influence of, of, of a culture that's going the wrong direction. But we got to humble ourselves and say, God, I was wrong. What I did was wrong. This is what I did. I was foolish. This is what I did. And I, I'm, 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 I'm sharing it with you this morning. I'm telling you right now, God, this is what I have done. But God, I'm willing to turn away from that lifestyle. And God, I want to I turn towards you. And I want to walk with you. And see, he says, when you do that, that he is faithful and he is just 
and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You know what that means? That means everything that you have done has been forgotten. It's been wiped away. In God's eyes, you have a clean slate. You don't have to live condemned or in shame of what you have done because you're not that same person anymore. He's cleansed you and changed you on the inside so that you can live your life for him. So our response to God's grace and forgiveness is we have to ask for it. But see, you know what's so amazing about God is God didn't just deal with the human condition and leave us alone. He had a plan and a purpose for our lives. You see, listen to how how Paul finishes Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. It says in verse 10, he says, For we, will you just for a moment, will you say me? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God wanted to do something about the human condition because he wanted to have a relationship with you for all eternity. You see, if you're still out there asking the question, will God forgive me for having an abortion? Will God forgive me for those things that I've done wrong? The answer is still yes. But it's even bigger than a yes because here's the reality. He also has a purpose for your life. You see, God, God has placed you. He has called you. He's equipped you and anointed you. And you are his masterpiece. And when he looks down on you, he smiles. When he looks down on you, he is, he is satisfied. He, he looks down on you and he just, he just joy fills his heart because you are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. So this morning, would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you're here today and, and you've been struggling with forgiveness, you've been walking that road of shame and regret and condemnation, hear me today. Don't stay there any longer. Because God's word has given you the answer. He's told you if you'll confess that sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness, cleanse you, and make you new. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling with forgiveness, I'm going to invite you. This is a God moment. People's heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. But this is a God moment, and if you, wanna, you just want to ask for prayer today for forgiveness, would you please raise your hand this morning? Thank you. Thank you. All around the room, people are putting up their hands because we have all have struggled with this issue. That's why we've asked it, because we've struggled. And we need the presence and the power of God to come and do what only He can do so that we can be freed. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to ask you to do what God's word has instructed you to do. That is confess your sin to him. Because it said what? If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Let's pray together this morning, all around this room. God, this morning, I just want to say thank you for meeting us. 
God, thank you that you were willing to do something about our human condition. God, that in, in our sin, in our sickness, God, in, in, the, in our lustful thinking, God, in our fallenness, God, you were willing. You were willing to extend your mercy and your love and your grace. And Lord, today, God, we are reaching out because, Lord, we understand that in this room, many of us have struggled with forgiveness. And today, God, we're confessing the things that we know that we've done wrong. We're confessing our disobedience. We're confessing those shameful things that we've done. But God, we're so grateful and we're asking today for you to forgive us. And praise be to your name that you said in your word that if we would confess that, God, you are faithful and just to cleanse us and to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So, God, thank you for doing that work this morning. God, thank you for cleansing. Thank you for healing and renewing your people today. God, we praise your name. I got one more question for you this morning. You know, I've discovered that when you struggle with forgiveness... When you struggle with forgiveness, you often lose sight of your purpose. You may be sitting here today and you've lost sight of your purpose. But God still says, I see my workmanship. I see my masterpiece. You may not see it in your own life yet, but I see it. And I'd like to pray with you today if if you're here and you just need that, that fresh touch of God to remind you of his plan, of his purpose for your life. Would you just lift a hand for a moment just around this room? I'm going to pray with you. Thank you. Just wait a moment. Thank you. Lots of hands going up in this room today of people just feeling that, feeling that sense of loss of purpose. Well, God, I'm believing today that by faith, God, that you would just ignite in their heart and in their life, God, the purpose that you have called them to. God, help them to see your hand at work, God, all through these years. God, you're leading and guiding and directing your hand of protection and care because of that great love that you have for them. And so, Lord, I pray today, would you, would you just rebirth that purpose in their hearts? Would you remind them that they're still your masterpiece, that you still have a work to do in them and a work through their lives, that you have strategically placed them and called and equipped them to do the work that you've placed before them. So God, I thank you for meeting us and meeting them here today. God, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.